Hello and welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I am Carl Christensen, joined by Matt and Tim, the narcoleptic teacher Cox. Narcolepsy, um, that's, a, that's a new one for me. Well, actually, it's not. It's an old friend. I was going to say for you. <laughs> a new accusation, a new characterization. <laughs> yeah, probably one of the more accurate ones um, that I've given you. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to be talking about the basics of sleep tonight. We've talked to sleep, about sleep a little bit in the past in the podcast. Um, see some of Dr. Johnny's podcast. We talked about the brain. and um, But we're going to be talking specifically about sleep cycles, circadian, circadian rhythm, how much sleep you need, how much sleep animals get, all of those interesting things. Uh, but before we do, um, I did want to give Tim a chance to explain why I said he was a narcoleptic teacher. Oh, Tim. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a fun story. You you may have a story like this. If shows, if so, share in the comments below. I don't know if there are actually comments below, but I feel like that's something people say. So. Um, okay. So I, uh, you know, I, I'm a teacher, and for for a long time I did not get enough sleep, and I was always tired. You know, and it just I had to stay moving or I would be, you know, falling asleep. And um, I remember one day I, it actually happened. I was so tired that as I was I was sitting on a desk at the front of class explaining an assignment to my students. And I actually fell asleep while I was talking to them. And it was the strangest sensation just for a couple of seconds. You know, just kind of nodded off and then snapped out of it. And it was very unusual. Anyways, so I don't know if you have had the experience of falling asleep while you were talking. Um, if so, you you know how weird it can be. But yes, so there you didn't, go. It can be done. <laughs> didn't you say that you even remember or, or someone told you the words that you were saying? No, while I, you were... I remember like say it just as as I kind of nodded off the the I was talking. I was mid sentence and my brain just produce some random words. I remember shoes was one of the words. Shoes had <laughs> nothing to do with the assignment. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, and and I just, again, after like a couple of seconds, uh, maybe not even that, I snapped out of it and just looked around and students were looking at me like, what? And then I just kept on going like nothing happened because that's what you do when you're a teacher. Right. And middle school uh, students don't know the difference between narcoleptic speech and normal speech so i'm sure they were wondering what did mr cox just fall asleep right in front of us but sometimes you just gotta keep working on what you're doing and plow ahead <laughs> okay all right and in the meantime dr johnny just joined us so dr johnny can um uh shed additional light on sleep as we talk about it tonight right what I remember, what I didn't sleep <laughs> through in medical school. Yeah. Yes. Johnny has uh, stories from both the scientific and anecdotal nature. Um, Mostly anecdotal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So I've got the material prepared here, and we're going to go through. We're going to start with our, our layman question of what is sleep? And I thought the, of course, layman way to start off is by looking it up in Wikipedia, because um, that's what the layman does. And it defines sleep as a state of reduced mental and physical activity 
in which consciousness is altered and sensory activity is inhibited to a certain extent. Um, I love how dictionaries can take something that's very natural and easily understood and make it sound really technical and complex. <laughs> well, so the the interesting thing about uh, trying to define sleep is that different people sleep differently. Um, that you know, they're they're you know, they're sleepwalking. There's um, uh, a variety of different activities going on while you are asleep. So, what does sleep? Is it just a lack of consciousness? Um, like it, it kind of nods to the fact that generally, you know, we've got um, consciousness is altered. So, for example, Tim can be semi-conscious, uh, conscience, con, dang it, conscious of. That means <laughs> I really don't have a sense of right and wrong. In <laughs> <laughs> that way, Tim uh, is sleepwalking through life. <laughs> yeah. um, no, uh, let's see. So anyway, just the, the sense that there is. Uh, the, the layman definition of sleep is, uh, you know, has something to do with consciousness and something to do with inactivity. And I think that's about as scientific as the layman wants to get. And the scientific uh, de definition of sleep is pretty close to that. Um, Johnny, any insights before I move on? No, um, I mean, there's there's you're probably going to get into this about like the brain waves and things like that. Are you a little bit. That? I've got okay. a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's we're we're keeping uh, it at a layman level here. Wikipedia is good. <laughs> Brainwaves, I don't know. That's right. That's out there. Hey, I'll, I'll share something that uh, just an inch it's kind of just a fun reframing of the topic. Normally we think of oh, sleep is that thing that we do, you know, between days where we we live our lives and we do our things, you know, well and then and then in between all that we go to sleep and I, I'd heard it suggested somewhere, and it's just an interesting way to frame it that perhaps we could think of it the other way and think of sleep is is what we do, and just in between sleep, we uh, are awake so we can get our nutrients and take care of our needs and then go back to sleep. So, you know, how do you frame it? <laughs> and then when you have a dream, but then you have a dream within a dream, then you if the sleep feels longer or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, we needed to reference Inception here because that's a great movie. It was always going to happen. Yes. Um. But no, in support of that theory, if you look at different creatures, they will have different sleep periods. So, for example, uh, cats uh, will sleep for a much longer period than humans. And I, they're just, their bodies uh, have evolved that way and and that's how yeah, they, we're going um, to actually talk about other mammal mammalian species at the end of the podcast and why oh, okay. and why they sleep more um, or do they or are they um, just lazy <laughs> well in the case of cats the answer would be yes but <laughs> that's right um yeah, okay. we all think we own cats but they actually own us <laughs> that's right another reframing that helps to explain things yes <laughs> Okay, before we go down a cat um, uh, tangent. Before this becomes a catastrophe, let's move okay. on. There we go. <laughs> pun loading, pun loading, not taking too long. Darn okay. It. Okay, next question. Why do we sleep? So we have a definition kind of of sleep. Um, so why do we sleep? Um, 
there's a number of different reasons. Um, I've distilled a, a few from some articles I read. So it's, um, first, a healthy amount of sleep is vital for bl brain plasticity or the brain's ability to adapt to input. If we sleep too little, we become a, un, unable to process what we've learned during the day and we have more trouble remembering it in the future. We'll talk about some of these specific uh, studies here in, a, a, uh, in later on in the podcast. So re researchers also believe that sleep may promote the removal of waste products from brain cells, something that seems to occur less efficiently when the brain is awake. So one of the purposes of sleep, why we sleep is uh, brain function and removing of brain uh, toxins, uh, refilling the glycogen or something like that, I think is what I read. That sound right, Johnny? Sure, sounds great. All right. No, like um, something that's that really was your medical is, opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we think sleep is really important for um, taking short-term memory and turning it into long-term memory because your short-term memory is, is stored in a different part of your brain than your long-term memory. So sleep seems to be very important for that, um, which you're probably going to reference some of these studies that they did where they had different students sleep different amount of times. Did you, is that one of the studies you're going to talk about? I don't remember. I pulled from a bunch. Uh, that one doesn't sound too familiar. No. They, they basically, there were two different classes um, with about the same students, and one of them they sleep deprived, and the other one got um you know the preferred amount of sleep and the ones that got the preferred amount of sleep did much better like on the final exam and during the exams than the other class um, so it seems to be very important for that development of the long-term memory and it's very I, vital like especially you know people that are trying to burn the candle at both ends in college and things like this um, it probably isn't going to be that effective long term to do that because all that stuff isn't going to be able to be turned into long-term memory and it's mm -hmm. it's just going to go you know you're going to have to relearn it like how many times have you learned the Krebs cycle at 2 a.m uh, you know <laughs> i can count that on zero fingers <laughs> uh Yes, I, I do have some statistics about that, Johnny. We're going to come to that a little bit later. I don't think I don't have, I have that specific study, but I have another one which shows pretty much the same thing, but I, some numbers to put to it specifically. Um, and yeah, we've got, yeah, those are good points. Let me hit one or two more about why we sleep as far as what I, I looked up. It says um, there are two main reasons that uh, two main two main two main processes that regulate sleep: circadian rhythms and sleep drive. So, circadian rhythms are controlled by a biological clock located in the brain. One key function of this clock is responding to light cues, ramping up production of the hormone melatonin at night and switching it off when it senses light. People with total blindness often have trouble sleeping because they are unable to detect and respond to these light cues. So. Count that among things that I didn't know. It's a long list. But and, um, and another thing along the lines of that, um, a lot of people are very addicted to their screens. And it seems to really affect the teens um, and children when they are looking at these screens um, late at night. They're not able to get the melatonin cues because of the blue light that it produces um, actually is you know, stimulating the brain saying it's the middle of the day. Um, and 
so they're like their brain isn't being cued by melatonin to be able to go to sleep. So as a pediatrician, what we recommend is that um, there's no screens for like an hour or two before bed if children are having a hard time falling asleep. And that tends to solve 90% of the problems that kids have with sleep. Um, it, it, it's just that, that blue light tricking your brain. You're not getting that melatonin release. So you're not able to fall asleep like you usually do. Right. Yeah. So this light thing is a huge deal as far as, uh, yeah, like I said, our, our current exposure to screens. Um, so if you're on your phone and you put it down and immediately put your head in the pillow, you're probably going to struggle a little bit um, with sleep, right? Um, okay. The second process that we talked about the, in the, that was listed in that um, said the, the sleep drive also plays a key role. Your body craves sleep much like it hungers for food throughout the day, you, your desire for sleep builds. And when it reaches a certain point, you need to sleep. A major difference between sleep and hunger, your body can't force you to eat uh, when you're hungry, but when you're tired, it can put you to sleep. Even if you're in a meeting or as in Tim's case, teaching a class or behind the wheel of car, as Johnny knows. Uh, <laughs> when you're exhausted, your body's even able to engage in micro sleep episodes of one or two seconds while your eyes are open or your mouth is open. Right, Tim? Um, <laughs> napping for more than 30 minutes uh, later in the day can throw off your night's sleep by decreasing your body's sleep drive, which I think we know, we all know anecdotally. Um, okay. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the health uh, part of sleep a little bit later. Let's move on to the next question. What happens when you're asleep? Johnny already gave us some insight as far as uh, memory, um, how it plays a role in um, uh, sleep, plays a role in short-term and long-term memory. Um, as far as some other things that happen during sleep, it says energy conservation and storage during the day cells throughout your body or you stockpiled resources to keep doing their jobs while you're asleep your body uses less energy that lets those cells resupply and stock up um, being less active makes it easier for your body to heal injuries and repair issues that happened while you were awake and also why being sick makes you feel more tired and need more rest and then like johnny said brain maintenance while you're asleep your brain recognizes and catalog catalogs memories and learned information so uh, those are all just different roles of, uh, of what's or things that are happening while you're asleep. It's a lot of uh, biological recovery and, and brain processes. Um, any, anything to add? No? Okay. No, I don't Let's... think so. That was very well said, Carl. <laughs> yes. This is, one of my, this is one of my better researched uh, podcasts recently. So I hope we... Uh, I, you know, this one needs some kudos. Of course, Matt researched like five hours, no, it was more than that, of World War II uh, content. So this kind of pales in comparison. But definitely oh. worth it based on the amount of listens we got. It was over well over a thousand people that listened to you for six hours, Matt. I think that's pretty good. Whatever. It's more than have ever listened to me and my lessons. <laughs> And he's been a teacher for 30 years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I'm up to a couple dozen listens now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one a day, maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the things that the layman has heard about 
maybe not as familiar with different stages of sleep, right? So we know that there's something called REM. Um, you know, the uh, you might be familiar with the idea that REM stands for random eye movement. Rapid, possibly rapid. rapid. I was close. It was on the on my notes, but it's further down below some of these other things. So only you spent another four hours researching. <laughs> uh, rapid eye movement. So rapid eye movement is is REM, your REM cycle, and then the other stages of sleep, of which there are either three or four. I saw both in the research I looked at, but most people seem to land on three st stages of NREM or, um, you know, not REM sleep, and so the those cycles or those stages are as follows from what i could uh, glean uh, stage one is the lightest stage of sleep you enter stage one right after you fall asleep the stage usually lasts only a few minutes making up about five percent of your sleep time um, so stage two is still light but deeper obviously moving down the uh, sleep stage level uh, during a stage your brain waves slow down so like johnny said your this your brain activity the brain waves slow down and you have not notable pauses between short, powerful bursts of electrical activity. Experts think those bursts are your brain organizing memories and information from the time you spent awake. So once again, what Johnny was telling us about, uh, that's a, at least partially stage two. Um, so can I can I just explain how they do this? Um, yeah, it might, be, might make sense a little bit more. Uh, you know, like those sci-fi movies where they put all like the little stickers on people's heads to read their brain waves. That that, that that's really what it's doing is it's measuring um, electrical activity between two points on your head, um, and and so they they can look at the electrical activity and try to figure out like is the brain making certain patterns, and they've noticed different types of patterns. Um, that are being made in different stages of sleep, which is how they came up with the stages of sleep. So when they when they put like all those little wires on the head, um, that's what they're measuring is the electrical activity between one area um, to another. That's really interesting, and it's useful. Also, well, I have, have anecdotal experience with this. I don't know obviously what Johnny knows about it, but my daughter uh, had. Um, a bunch of seizures, which also we've talked about in this podcast before. And so they had to do uh, different EEGs on her, which are these brain tests. And they wanted her to come in uh, sleep deprived. And so so that she had to fall asleep while she was there. That so we had to keep like her fun. up like. I mean, it's not fun, especially the, when we the last time we took her in, she was eight. That's much easier to deal with than the first time. When, I think she may have been five when we took her in the first time. And that, keeping a five, 20 hours out of 24 hours is not not a party. Um, and so anyway, they had, they had to bring her in sleep deprived. And then they put all those little nodes, things on her head. And then they'd wanted her to fall asleep. And they wanted to measure the uh, measure these brain waves. Like Johnny said, they they can track these things. They have patterns for these things. And so if you have epilepsy, they can they can see certain patterns of epileptic uh, individuals in these brain waves as they fall asleep. Even if you don't actually have a seizure, epilepsy um, presents itself. Uh, in these brain waves, 
And so that was something they were able to tell from these EEGs. So. Okay, stage three. Oh, no, I didn't finish with stage two. Stage two apparently accounts for 45% of your time asleep, the most of any stage. Um, and you go through multiple stages of these, uh, of, of, of stage two. Um, and it says each one is longer than the last. Uh, and then stage three. Stage three, your brain waves, uh, waves are slow but strong. Your body takes advantage of this very deep sleep stage to repair injuries and reinforce your uh, immune system. The same burst of brain activity that happened in stage two can also happen in stage three, and brain waves specific to stage three help regulate those bursts. Uh, you need stage three to help wake up feeling rested. Without stage three sleep, you feel tired and drained even if you slept for a long time. That's why your body automatically tries to get as much stage three sleep into your sleeping period as early as possible. Um, and then it says your body moves after stage three, your body moves into stage two, which is the gatekeeper for REM sleep. So stage two and REM sleep are interrelated. So now let's move on to stay, uh, what REM sleep is, which is, like I said, rapid eye movement. Uh, sleep of this stage of sleep is where most dreams happen. It, it, uh, its name comes from how your eyes move behind your eyelids while you're dreaming, which, once again, I think anecdotally we've all seen before. Someone asleep, maybe your dog. Um, uh, during REM sleep, your brain activity looks very similar to brain activity while you're awake. Um, it makes up about 25% of your total sleep time. And your first REM cycle of sleep is typically the shortest at around 10 minutes. And then it gets longer and longer as you are sleeping. Um, so those are the different stages of sleep, which is, uh, I think most people have like these smart watches that kind of measure the stages of sleep to some degree. Obviously, they're not to the granular level that Johnny was talking about with, you know, measuring brain waves. But obviously, just based on the amount of movement that's happening in your body, you can kind of figure out what stage of sleep someone is in. Um, and uh, so that's they, they're all important. But obviously, REM sleep is the most important, I think, from what I read. Uh, though stage two, obviously, very important as well. Um, I don't know. Anyway, comments? Yeah, so the stages of sleep are important and the they will increase and decrease in time as you sleep throughout the night. Um, so basically you fall into a really deep sleep, like a stage three, and then after your you know rhythm, you'll come out of that deep sleep and be in like this REM and, and kind of like in a lighter sleep, and then you'll drop back down to deep sleep, and then you'll come out of it um, again and then drop down into deep sleep and then come out of it again. And every time you come out of it, you're a little bit more awake. And once you reach the point where your brain like goes to like a stage one sleep, um, that's kind of like the morning time where you start to wake up and you're still like maybe having these weird dreams and weird things might be happening. And maybe some people hallucinate. It's never happened to me, but um but then like you'll pop out of sleep you won't be able your brain is ready to be done and you won't go back into that deep sleep again okay right yeah Here's okay question Matt, for the committee. Uh, oh yeah shoot no go ahead tim okay so you know light sleepers and heavy sleepers like i'm a heavy sleeper and my wife is a light sleeper 
And I've always wondered, like, what causes that? Is it maybe that my sleep, I spend more time in, like, the deeper sleep? Or, you know, is there variation on the amount of time or how, like, deep we go? Or, or do, does anyone even know why there's light sleep and heavy sleep? It's probably related because your ancestors um, weren't worried about anything, and her ancestors, there were lions <laughs> prowling around at night, so her ancestors had to be light sleepers, and the ones that were heavy sleepers were all dinner snacks. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I just this kidding. is I, scientifically I really accurate <laughs> as much as I think we've ever done here. <laughs> Uh, I actually do have some information, and what Johnny was saying, well, not exactly what the research was showing, is kind of close. Um, so I'll, I'll jump ahead a couple questions. This isn't the same question, Tim, but it's. Uh, I was looking up the question, do some people need more sleep than others? Uh, so maybe related, like people that sleep more and or sleep heavier. And it, uh, essentially what I was finding, it says genes may play a significant role in how much sleep we need. So genetic factors are largely to blame for or account for those uh, variations. So scientific, uh, scientists have identified several genes about, uh, involved with sleep and sleep disorders, including genes that control the excitability of neurons and clock genes such as, uh, and then it names some genes, I don't know. Anyway, that influence our <laughs> circadian rhythms. <laughs> Just gonna completely pass over that. Uh, and the timing of sleep. So genome-wide association studies have identified sites on various chromosomes. Um, but yeah, the, the essentially, it comes down to the genetics do play a role in how we sleep and, how, or, and or how much we sleep. And so it says several genetic models, including the worm, fruit fly, and zebra fish, are helping scientists to identify molecular mechanisms and genetic variants involved in normal sleep and sleep disorders. So there's ongoing research into how, how to help people that have like re restless leg syndrome, um, you know, chronic insomnia, um, a variety of different things. Though, though insomnia to some degree is also, uh, you know, social, uh, socially and psychologically influenced as far as what's going on in your life. Um, yeah, I, I think I heard once that women typically are lighter sleepers than men. And I don't know if this is just something that I heard from somebody, but like I think about it. And when my wife, when we had like newborn babies, she would wake up four or five times at night to feed them. And I don't remember any of them. Like I don't remember the baby crying at all. And maybe it's just because of that. That's dad. what you told her. It might have <laughs> something to do with like, you know, that's an important yeah. thing important reason why a woman might not be like sleeping as deeply as a man because like she has the equipment to feed the baby you know so i wonder if this will change over time as more um, fathers are doing that you know waking in the middle of the night and feeding babies and things like that yeah an evolutionary change <clears throat> possible um I did not the focus of my research for tonight's podcast, but a while ago I did read um, uh, some research about uh, the fact that women generally do need more sleep than men um, as a total amount, that the amount of sleep that women need, I'm going to misquote the study, but my, my understanding was something like half an hour 
longer for women essentially got the, the same results uh, that men got. So we are, I guess that would make us generally, us as in men, heavier sleepers, but I, I don't know. Okay, you're saying as men might be getting less sleep overall and therefore more like... Um, Potentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's actually one of the last things I'm going to talk about is, um, and, and that's comparing us with different mammalian species, why uh, we sleep less, and um, so I think it might be related, but I don't know. That's a layman uh, opinion, uh, as most of the things that I say are, but when I'm reading the research, darn it, that's spot on. Um, okay, let's move on to another question here. Uh, Oh yeah, this so this one I know that the lame, I, a lot of people who listen to us are either in college or taking a class of some variety, and 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 or maybe you're a world class athlete because I think it's likely that we have a lot of you know Olympians that listen to our podcast. Yeah, let's wave to Michael Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> Parenthetically, I actually met the most famous person in my life uh, like a week and a half ago. I met Jason Lezak. Um, who sorry. for most people that probably who what <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's probably how most people would respond though most of you know who i'm talking about you just probably don't remember his name he was the anchor leg which means the last person in the four by 100 freestyle relay that's swimming relay in the in 2008 2008 a big olympic year for a certain Michael Phelps um, in the relay that the Americans were supposed to lose to the French. He and, and were losing when Jason Lezak dove in and he came back and uh, eked out the win. Uh, that was uh, his, his probably biggest moment. He had, he won a couple gold medals actually, but um, that is Jason Lezak. And I met him recently, which is, he probably does not listen to the podcast. He didn't seem to recognize me. It was sad. We'll have to invite him on. <laughs> yeah, we're now on a first name basis, me and Jason. Um, okay. <laughs> J. J. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Performance. What I'm talking. What, what this was going towards is physical and mental performance related to sleep. We've all wondered. If I don't get enough sleep before this final, is that really going to have a big impact on my, uh, uh, you know, how well I do? Um, so here is what I found in some of the research. Um, here it is. In the last century, scientists have tested this theory many times, finding out that sleep improves memory retention and recall by between 20 and 40 percent. 20 to 40 percent. That's significant. Uh, and then the research found that when participants are woke, woken up during REM sleep, they could solve 15 to 35% more puzzles than they could when woken up from uh, not REM sleep. So, um, no, that's not brain... like in the middle of REM. That's like having been during, <laughs> like having experienced. REM during that sleep session, right? No, literally woken up during this is a sleep oh. study where they woke them up in the middle of REM oh, and immediately okay. set them on some puzzles. No. And they were 15 to 35% better at those puzzles. Huh. 
Well, to I bring that super accurate is to be interrupted in the middle of your dreams there. Exactly. <laughs> I think all of us have, you know, woken up when we know we're in like a really deep sleep. That's probably when we're coming out of that stage three. And we're like, where am I? Uh, like, what century is this? I just heard a noise or you see a silhouette of your child staring at you and you think you're like got stuck in some horror film, um, <laughs> you know, and you're like, I don't, I don't understand what's even going on now. Uh, yeah, but I think all of us have my kids had, looking at had me. that happen before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sometimes when you wake up out of REM sleep, you probably should go write down, you know, if you're like an author, like maybe you actually should go really quick and write something down because you're going to be better. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, and a, a quick note on that. Isn't it true that the things that were in your dream, they you you forget them, right? Have you guys experienced that where you wake up and you had this real crazy dream? And if you like tell someone right away about it, you, you can remember it. But like if you wait a minute or two and then you go to try to remember that you just can't remember it anymore. It's gone. Right. Yep. I didn't do a lot of sleep research for this podcast because what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> what I meant to say, I didn't do a lot of dream research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't do a lot of dream research because I feel like that's like a different podcast. And uh, anyway, but um, dreams uh, of the things that I have read and, and looked at in the past and some of the things I did come across tendentially related to this sleep podcast was uh, that, yeah, dreams. Um, yeah, they, they're they are very uh, ephemeral. They're, they're here and then they're gone. And um that the as as actually most memories are you have a better chance of mem of remembering your dream if you go and lie down in your bed like put yourself in the position that you were in when you had the dream and you have a better chance of it coming back um that's take that with a grain of salt because i like i said i didn't do a lot of research into it that's just something i read from before and if this <clears throat> podcast if you listen to it to go to sleep you are great <laughs> You are wonderful, and you're going to have an excellent day tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. ASMR now. <laughs> so someone have there. some glass that they can rub against, like uh, sandpaper or something. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, there are a couple. Oh yeah. Sorry, I didn't finish. That was that's mental performance after sleep. Let, let's talk physical performance because it's also pretty pretty astounding. Uh, Stanford study of men's basketball players who extended their sleep to ten hours. Who gets ten hours of sleep? Whatever. Ten hours a night found several positive outcomes. The players ran faster in both half court and full court sprints. Their shooting improved by at least nine percent for both both free throws and three point shots. The athletes also reported improved physical and mental well-being. Okay, so some of these are hard to measure, but 9% better for free throws and three-point shots? That's like the difference between, like, Steph Curry and someone that's, like, like about to be out of the NBA. Like, that's insane. Um, so everyone, apparently, if you, you should be sleeping 10 hours a night. Um, yeah, get on that. Uh, so, <laughs> No. 
Right. Well, it seems you're unlikely. A professional basketball player, in which right. case, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> and yes. maybe, they're looking for, maybe they're looking for the next thing. They, they came here to find it. This is the next thing. Right. Um, there is so uh, I have an anecdotal story about this. Um, one time yeah, sure. I in high school, I pulled an all-nighter. It was up all night. And the next day went to a swim meet. And oh, that um, was smart. It wasn't smart, but I was a teenager, like I said. <laughs> and I uh, no swam more. the worst times that I've probably ever swam. Um you know, in that swim meet. So I don't know. I don't know if that, you know, that's an N of one, but it seems pretty significant to it, me. It, the next, Johnny, the next, the next one I found, male and female swimmers who extend their sleep to 10 hours uh, saw reaction times faster off blocks. At, uh, their turn times were improved. Uh, and it says kick strokes increased. I don't even know what that means. Um but time swimming a 50 meter, meter kick strokes. Who calls that a kick stroke? Um, okay. Yeah, you get like a seven stroke kick where you kick seven times per stroke. Yeah. Okay. Six. So yeah, there, it says their times, <laughs> times improved. Uh, these athletes um, anyway, and, and they had better, better mood. So yeah, generally it, it shows like what you're saying, Johnny, or at least the inverse of what you're saying. So more sleep helps less sleep hurts. Uh, and then the last one, uh, varsity tennis players, male and female who increase their sleep to at least nine hours a week. Oh, that must be a night typo, uh, performed better. The accuracy of the <laughs> nine hours a week. They got about 1.5 hours. Yeah. Uh, the accuracy of players' serves increased significantly from about 36% to 42%. So that's about a 6% increase in a serve accuracy. Um, so it's a remarkable increase in, um, in, a, uh, in athletic performance. So if you're in high school or college and, and or a professional athlete listening to us and looking for an edge, apparently what we really need to do is just sleep more, which is like the best answer. <laughs> you don't need to train more. Just go, go, go jump in bed for a little longer. Um, okay. For, for, the, for those wondering, though, we are going to wrap up the podcast. Most of you know how much sleep you should be getting and or is good for you. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sleep recommendations right as we wrap up just to underscore that. But, okay, a couple more uh, things to hit on here. Uh, so how much sleep do we need um, during slow wave sleep? Um, humans secrete bursts of growth hormone. All sleep, even during the day, is associated with the secretion of prolactin. Is that is that it, Johnny? Prolactin? Yeah. So apparently, um, well, like I said, we'll talk about the recommendations for how much to get. But in order to grow appropriately, you need the right amount of sleep, is what that sounded like to me from the research I was doing. Johnny? Yeah. Um, growth hormone seems to be you know, regulated in that same cycle, which is important for growth, obviously. Mm. Okay, so that's that's important. Um, let's talk briefly about naps. Naps are important to understand, and uh, because who whom among us does not like a nap? Um, 
there are nap bakers. <laughs> okay, fine. But let's talk a little bit about because there is some conflicting science and and opinion about naps. So this is what I found: longer naps, especially those lasting an hour or more, have been linked with obesity and increased cardio cardiovascular disease. So that's not good. <laughs> Among regular nappers, those who snoozed for 30 minutes or less were 21% less likely to have elevated blood pressure compared to non-nappers. So there's the positive of napping. So if you're taking 30-minute or less naps, you probably have lower blood pressure. I don't know that that study that I saw uh, found a causal relationship, but they, there's a correlation there between um, power nappers and lower blood pressure. So... Um, those who nap for more than 30 minutes uh, were more likely to have a higher body weight, like I said, and were also 41% more likely to have high blood pressure. Yeah. And so. the, the, I think when we talk about naps, we should probably um, talk about the elephant in the room that the large majority of people listening to this podcast, if we're resorting to naps, it's likely because we aren't actually getting enough sleep. And as I understand, it isn't a lack of sleep, a kind of an epidemic, at least in the Western world. Yeah, I didn't look up statistics about, and I'm sure they exist, about the number of people that are um, going sleep deprived. But yeah, sleep deprivation is certainly an issue. And especially, like Johnny said, in the world where we um, are constantly on screens, we're, we're kind of creating this horrible cycle for ourselves where it's hard to fall asleep and then um and then we don't get enough sleep because we have to wake up because we're busy and then we are on our screens again anyway so it, it's vicious um but yeah the amount of uh, napping power naps so essentially for for power nap power naps can be a good thing um and so that's i guess the takeaway is like like tim said your circadian rhythm is important to get on uh, on a good track um and that will help you generally health-wise, but um, the research does show that if you need a power nap in the middle of the day, 30 minutes or less can actually help you both health-wise and cognitively. So uh, don't be afraid of a little power nap, but if you're getting habitually long naps, you probably want to take a look at what your, um, you know, your, your schedule is, work schedule. Uh, some work schedules just kind of demand it, right, Johnny? Doctors, for example? Yeah, I was switching back from nights to days like all the time. And, you know, that's that's really, really bad on your body. There's tons of research to support how terrible that is. But yet they still make doctors. Do <laughs> well, we're it's not vicious. concerned about doctors health as long as they're making everyone else's health better. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're like, oh, if you work the night shift, we'll give you 50 more cents an hour. Um, I don't know if your, you know, life is. You know, your life is probably worth more than 50 cents an hour. So think about it a little bit more if you're wanting right. to work the night shift only. Right, because uh, it turns out that, um, and we'll talk about, well, let's, let's hit it now. Because there's a couple of things about, like, if you're just doing a night shift, let's say that you just adapt your lifestyle to, to work nights and sleep days. You're, you're going to then be dealing with a couple other concerns. And one of them is like we well we already kind of touched on it with which is light sensitivity. Your body, your circadian rhythm, your sleep drive is biologically built into you to react to light by producing less melatonin. And so you are not built to sleep during the day. 
And uh, so it's harder to, to get in that cycle and your body is less likely to get deep sleep in that cycle. Um, and the cycle where you're awake nights and sleeping days. Um, on a related note, sleeping with your eyes open is something that's apparently far more common than I knew. Uh, it says about 20% of people do it, including babies. Yeah, so, but that's not like, you know, not major pain type of like, uh, <laughs> we're, we're not, we're not uh, wide open eyes. Um, we're talking, you know, saggy eyes, but not all the way closed. Um, apparently the, the condition's called nocturnal lagophthalmus. I did really well with that second word. I think you made that up. <laughs> I, I wanted to go with lagomorph, but I know that's a bunny. So I don't think lagothalmus. Is that it? Ophthalmus. Okay. It's like ophthalmology. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, and it says, in that case, you can usually close your eyes most of the way. When, uh, you usually close your eyes most of the way when you sleep, but not completely. And so that affects the amount of light that's coming in to your brain. And when your, your brain just doesn't sleep and uh, light are not supposed to mix, or don't mix super well for uh, us um, humans. So... Um, that being said, if you work the night shift, something that helped me... Um, is blackout curtains um, and then also uh, earplugs or like white noise to drown out the uh, the kids screaming at home <laughs> yeah exactly because that was the other thing i was going to hit on is is sleep and it's the same type of thing um i was doing research into what you know noises and how they affect your sleep rhythm and i was <laughs> looking all over the place and the best answer i found was what appeared to be a doctor on reddit because the best source of information is, of course, Reddit. Um, but and this sounded really good. A comment <laughs> we will universally endorse here. <laughs> okay, well, it's not. It's generally not the best source of information. Yeah, exactly. Well, what are my options here? But um, it's a, the sound. Sound feeds into the brain's neural, uh, the brain's arousal pathways, um, in the reticular activating system. It is a weak input. Vision is much stronger, but it is there. The sound inputs will activate reticular active activating system neurons, which I'm will sorry, then turn on the brain. All sounds exactly like what I would expect from a Reddit doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Sending acetylchlorine to the thalamus and activating the nucleus bacilli bacillus. Bas I didn't think bacillus were even real. So that was only Harry Potter as well as I would expect from a Reddit doctor as well. Bacillus, ba anyway, <laughs> nucleus bacillus. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Also, uh, nucleus bacillus. Johnny got it. Whatever to send whatever that chemical is to the cerebral, cerebral cortex. Cerebral cortex. Um. And the thalamus is likely to be more, uh, more important target, though. And anyway, so nighttime noise may also cause extra produ production of hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol. And adrenaline, we know what that does. Obviously, it gets you your body all worked up and flight and fight and flight and all that. And cortisol is a stress hormone. So, like Johnny said, get you some white noise. We uh, we have some uh, uh, no, uh, road noise next to our house, and so we have fans in our rooms works quite well um 
Okay. Let's hit on the last couple of things here. Uh, the, oh, night owls versus early birds. So I've wondered whether or not these were actual, uh, the, whether this is a learned behavior or this was a genetic thing. It says if you're an innate early bird, your circadian rhythm releases melatonin earlier than the norm, energizing you to become more active in the morning. Night owls, however, secrete melatonin much later, pushing peak activity and alertness later into the afternoon and evening. It doesn't necessarily tell, didn't necessarily tell me whether or not it was an innate thing or a learned behavior, but it did. It is a very real thing. Your body starts uh, creating melatonin differently based on the circadian rhythm that you've created for yourself, whether or not that's genetic or not. There does seem to be a, 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 some genetic influence based on the reading I was doing, but once you've established the pattern, there's absolutely a you know, people that like to stay up late and that's because melatonin doesn't kick in until later. So. So there's a sleep disorder. It happens usually in teens um, where their circadian rhythm and their melatonin release happens so late that they, uh, like they just lay in bed until like two, 3 AM and then yeah. finally fall asleep. And then they have to get up early for school. Um, so there, there are, ways that you can move somebody's set sleep time back um, by like giving them low-dose melatonin 30 minutes before they go to bed and then like adjusting that time backwards by 15 minutes a day. Um, it's kind of tedious, um, but it, it can be done, especially when it becomes so disordered that they're not able to function <laughs> in their daily lives. Okay. Interesting. Good yeah, so that's... There's hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of this, I mean, Johnny's obviously a pediatrician. He's not a specialized sleep doctor, but doctors absolutely have a good understanding of a lot of what's going on to, well, to get you like to sleep. He did some research on sleep, unlike, you know, mm -hmm. never mind. <laughs> hey, um, right. Sleepopedia. Uh, anyway. Sleepopedia. Um, yes, anyway. Reddit, right? There. There are, <laughs> there are <laughs> doctors that specialize in this, and if you're having severe sleep issues, absolutely go see a specialist because there are doctors that can help you regulate your sleep in a, a way that will help you uh, health-wise and, and obviously your, your social ability to interact with the world around you is largely dependent on you know, the amount of sleep that you're able to get. And uh, so it's certainly worthwhile you know, getting to a doctor and help having them figure out what um what way you can better go about your your schedule um okay a couple more things here caffeine we all know that caffeine is a stimulant and so what effect does it have on sleep so the, um it says the release of ad adenosine i should just not even try with these a chemical adenosine. byproduct of <laughs> what was that matt nothing Okay, a chemical byproduct of cellular energy uh, <clears throat> consumption from cells in the basal forebrain and probably other regions supports your sleep drive. Caffeine counteracts sleepiness by blocking the actions of ad adenosine. Ad adenosine? Adenosine. That's what I said. That's <laughs> not what you, yes. Well, whatever, what you know, said. that's what I efforted. I efforted it. Uh, so yes, essentially, Caffeine blocks the uh, this chemical, um, and uh, that and it and 
and that it's chemical is what drive supports your sleep drive and so you just won't feel sleepy this the toxins building up in your brain all that kind of stuff same that's still happening you just don't feel tired because your sleep drive is being counter uh, counteracted by the caffeine and so while you feel more awake, which can be good if, for example, you're driving or you generally need to stay awake for some specific reason, there are reasons to obviously use a caffeinated you know, beverage or whatever else or a caffeine pill. However, be aware that the health benefits of sleep are not somehow magically uh, imparted by whatever caffeine, a caffeinated substance you're uh, in, taking in. So... Um, and one thing to remember about caffeine is it has a really long half-life, which means mm -hmm. that it, it stays in your system for actually a very long period of time. So if you're having trouble sleeping um, and you're consuming anything caffeinated afternoon, just try cutting it out and seeing if that helps. Mm. Nice. Okay. Um, let's talk about how long you can go without sleep. Um, <laughs> turns out this is... And I think I'd heard this before, but it's insane. 264 hours is like the record, the human uh, recorded record. And this was, guy's name was Randy Gardner in the 60s. He was a high school student at the time. Because of course he was. <laughs> he had the longest time without sleep for a science project. That's this is a high school science project and he went 11 days without sleep. Uh, he got an A and then he died. <laughs> Sounds <kidding>. about right. <laughs> no, I mean, 264 hours, though, that's, it is dangerous. Absolutely. Um, it's a, based on one small number of studies in which participants stayed awake for more than three days. It appears that after 72 hours without sleep, a person may begin to slur their speech or walk unsteadily. Hallucinations become increasingly frequent and complex past this point. As people near 120 hours without sleep, they may experience a rapid and severe decline in mental health. This may involve symptoms of psychosis, where a person becomes detached from reality with complex delusions and violent behavior. So generally, not a good idea. Um, I, anecdotally, I, I participated in a race that actually, this is Johnny's fault to begin with. Um, <laughs> the, it's not, that's not my fault you did it again, though. <laughs> that's true and this wasn't the first time this was like the second or the third time i did it and this is an overnight um it's those of you that have ever heard of a ragnar race ragnars are, are like relay running races that that uh, extend over uh, a 24-hour period more than 24 hours and this is the uh, tri triathlon equivalent of that race and so i had just finished that and i then had to drive for three hours not recommended and I have never more distinctly known I was hallucinating than during that drive. And I absolutely pulled off the road and took a nap because I wasn't going to put other people in danger. But I was hearing, I was literally hearing voices. I mean, it was so trippy. Was your yeah, it was passengers telling you to pull over. Yeah. So, so be, be careful with your sleep deprivation studies. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, last two things. Um, let, we're going to talk about uh, us versus other mammalian species and the long-term effects of, of bad sleep habits. So let's talk about these other mammals. Ooh, so, can I talk about dolphins? Oh, Shoot. yeah, dolphins. They're my favorite. 
So dolphins, you know, obviously they can't be in like a deep sleep like we are where we're in paralysis and stuff because they have to come up to the surface and breathe. So dolphins will actually sleep half of their brain at a time. So they'll sleep their right hemisphere and use their left hemisphere to do the things that they need to do to live. And then they'll sleep like the left side while their right side is awake. And that's like how they sleep. Anyway, it's kind of cool. That that's really cool. so that's messed up power. and violent. <laughs> <laughs> they actually are, so don't look up pictures of that. <laughs> uh, right. Yes, dolphins. Um, people love dolphins, though. We can't talk. Smack dolphins. I can. Smack talk dolphins. dolphins. <laughs> Watch out. The oh. dolphins will get you. No, they won't. Kippa the dolphins. Apex predators. No, right. they aren't. <laughs> okay, Sleep let's deprived. talk. Yes. Anyway, Sleep back to um, that, that's something. Yeah. Okay, research has shown that people in non-industrial societies, the closest thing to the kind of setting our species evolved in, average less than seven hours a night. Uh, that's uh, according to ev evolutionary anthropologist David Sampson at the University of Toronto. That's a surprising number when you consider our closest animal relatives. Humans sleep less than an ape, monkey, or lemur that scientists have studied. Uh, chimps sleep around 9.5 hours out of every 24. Cotton-top pteromans sleep around 13. Um, so essentially, these uh, monkeys sleep more, and they're the closest, obviously, mammalian uh, uh, species to uh, Homo sapiens. So um, it seems that humans have evolved to need less sleep, um, you said by less than seven hours. Yeah, I guess in non-industrial societies, it's showing that we have like humans average less than seven hours a night, which is crazy. Um, yep. It says REM sleep. Terrible at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should go tell them. Um, okay, so. Uh, it says um, humans sleep is 25% uh, REM, but in primates, it's less than 5%. And that's the main difference, is that uh, humans seem to have uh, evolutionary adapt evolutionarily adapted to get more REM for the buck. Um, so our uh, sleep is just more efficient. And so it says that um, other primates dream similarly. Uh, but we we spend a larger proportion of our night dreaming than they do. So, thus the um, the reason that humans can sleep less than most. I, I I didn't necessarily check whether or not it's all mammalian species, but the vast majority of mammals sleep significantly more than humans, and that's because we are we sleep effectively. So, um, all right. Last question that I wait, uh, did. Wait, my... one one more thing on mammals. So I learned this about elephant seals. They like um, rigged mm -hmm. elephant seals with monitoring equipment. And then they learned that when they go out to the open sea, like to eat, mm -hmm. they'll be out there for you know weeks or whatever. And they sleep about two hours a day. So they're just dive, eat, dive, eat. And they'll sleep for like two hours a day for, you know, for weeks. And they come back on the land, they sleep, you know, more than 10 hours a day, but that's uh apparently they kind of go feast and famine mm. nice maybe they're trying to become doctors 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. It's actually <laughs> Elephant Seal Medical School. That's right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Long-term effects of bad sleep habits. So this is what you weren't looking forward to hearing about because there are a lot of humans with not great sleep habits. But the research shows that a chronic lack of sleep or getting poor quality sleep, so even if you're getting more sleep but it's low quality, increases the risks of high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, and obesity. So that's a bad kettle of fish. Um, and uh, so what is, so we've talked about a little bit about bad sleep habits. Johnny's told us, don't look at your phone before bed, get away from screens for an hour before bed. Um, obviously, minimize light and noise. Um, so there are things you can do to make sure that you sleep soundly and well for however much sleep, however much time you have available in your schedule. Like I said, a lot of people aren't entirely masters of their own sleeping fate. So you have to maximize what you have in order to get the best health you can from what you have available to you. Uh, I think it is important, though, to recognize that if you're having issues with depression or things like that, do take a look at going to a sleep doctor and making sure that your your sleep is not to blame for your psychological well-being um, because that's a big factor as well. Um, uh, exercise also is going to be a big factor in being making sure that you're getting good quality sleep. If you're not exercising, your sleep isn't going to be as good. Um, don't so make, don't. Uh, with that being said, don't exercise like right before you go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there are times. Right. Uh, but some amount of exercise earlier in the day is going to help you sleep better at night. Um, and then, so the last thing, which how much sleep do you need? I mean, we all know the answer. It's like seven to nine hours, mostly. I did see research, and obviously we just read that in non-industrial societies, six hours, whatever. Um, six hours does appear to be scientifically enough. So if you're getting six hours a night, there doesn't seem to be a, a massive difference in the uh, outcomes, uh, either um, health-wise or mentally. Um, but seven to nine is the recommenda recommendation for adults. And then obviously, if you're a world-class Olympian, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 24. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, like I said, seven to nine is great. If you can adjust your schedule to get it, get it. Um, if you can't, um, make those six hours and hopefully you can get six hours. Try to make sure you get six hours and make them super high efficiency. You know, maybe you'll be the first X-Men. Um, because you're... <laughs> One thing you can do if you're wondering, like, what can I do to get better sleep and you want a little bit more reading material is looking up something called sleep hygiene and trying to it's there's so many lists of out there what you can do to try to make your sleep better um and then also your sleep is going to be high highly dependent upon your own cycle so some people do only need like some people might sleep six hours and feel great um some people might not feel great when they get nine hours and need 10 you know so it's like do what your body is telling you to do um you know don't be a slug but like get get as much sleep as you need and try to pay attention to how you're feeling when you're getting certain amounts of hours of sleep absolutely that almost sounds like good doctor advice um <laughs> yeah like i said a six to a seven to nine hours is like this rule of thumb but like johnny said like dr johnny said it, your your body your genetics your there are a lot of things playing into how much sleep you need so uh you know, it, figure that out. And if you have having time, uh, tough time figuring that out, 
talk to a doctor. Um, not, not a Reddit one. <laughs> yeah. a real They're pretty doctor. good, though. I mean, they no, are very no, convincing. No, no. Very for convincing. the first Reddit for MD sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and on that note, we're going to sign <laughs> off. Um, oh, some of you might already be asleep, so you're welcome. And if there not, uh, we'll see you guys again next podcast. See ya.